last night we so it was a big group of us it was like uh-huh. 12 to 15 people at any point jesus so we started at punch bowl social uh-huh. but both room like both sitting areas there mm-hmm. were like three parties going on oh shit and one half of it was completely taken up by mm-hmm. the something whatever young professionals oh <laughs> so we couldn't join them <laughs> but i we were standing there waiting and trying to figure out a plan and waiting for everybody to show up and mm-hmm. all of that and i was like we're in a mall punchbowl social is in the mall the mall mm-hmm. uh, forever 21's having a sale let's all go get blazers <laughs> and fucking <laughs> march our way in <laughs> <laughs> to punch full social and just pretend to be young professionals. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Did you? No, everybody Dang was it. like, no, we're not gonna go get blazers. Uh, we have to, we're just gonna go walk to Kells. And I was like, fine, but Forever 21's having a sale. <laughs> Honestly, it's not gonna cost us that much. It sure isn't. You know what I loved? Hmm. That pink blazer that Levi. Levi wore at our wedding party. Mm hmm. It was very cute. When he walked in with that in his little flowery shirt, I was like, God damn it, Levi. You're killing it. It fits him perfectly. It's so cute. It is mine. <laughs> it's mine from, like, high school. Oh, really? Yeah. He wore it to oh, the Harry Styles concert. Oh, that's right. You told me that. And he, with his shirt all, like, unbuttoned so you yep. can see his man chest. Yep. And then I think he wore a necklace or two. Or eight. Or eight, maybe. They were Mardi Gras beads. (laughs) No, but it was for Harry Styles. You gotta ball out for Harry Styles. And actually, in the, like, intro video to the Harry Styles concert, Mm -hmm. he's doing, he's doing a Rubik's Cube. Okay. But he's wearing a blazer. A pink blazer. What? The exact same shade as what Levi was wearing. Oh, no. Oh, girl. Yeah. I bet he was just tickled pink. Yeah. Huh? I'm just thinking about Harry Styles. <sighs> what a gift to this world. Although, his Met Gala outfit was a little disappointing. Wasn't it just all black? Yeah. His pants were real high. <laughs> they were like... Like like a like a matador's? Higher. Higher? It was real... Cause straight it was, up to his nipples? Almost. Oh. It was, I think it was straight up to like what would be his boobs. Okay. I didn't... I, he looked really good. I didn't quite like it. But then he changed inside because he was one of the, like, hosts people. Oh, uh-huh. And I liked his inside look better, uh-huh. even though it was just, it was a white button-up with uh-huh. the same pants and then a huge pink bow tie. And I felt that was campier than yes what he was rocking outside. Yeah, I agree. There were some, there was a lot of Duds. lackluster yeah. um, ensembles yeah. at the Met Gala this year. I mean, fashion, every year. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> some of them are really good. I think some of them are easier than others. Yeah. But it's like, um, I think people were afraid to look silly. That's what it, it was. Campy. It was like, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Violet Chachki. I really liked hers. I don't remember hers. It's, it was essentially a black dress. Mm. If you looked at her from the front, it looked like she was wearing just like a classic black ball gown. Okay. But then the train was a hand, so oh. she, it looked like she was wearing a black glove. Oh. And I feel like if you want to do camp but look cool and sexy and uh-huh. stuff, like that's, you gotta get Snazzy. creative Yeah, yeah. It. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's all about camp. Speaking of camp, it's Pride Month. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm going camping next week. No. Ew. <laughs> no, you are. I am. Isn't that what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is that next week? It's No, this, it's the week after. W- no, when this comes out, it's the week of. It we is. are camping tonight. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> We're very excited mm-hmm. because Colleen's wedding is on Saturday. Her and Steve are getting married after being together for 15 years. Damn. And they're beautiful and we love them. And we're so, so excited for them and happy for them. But we're camping tonight in the Alaskan wilderness. Mm-hmm. There will be no bathrooms. Rough. No running water of any kind. Mm-hmm. And bears. Yeah. <laughs> and not the fun kind not that the, you see at Pride. Not the bears. <laughs> and, and not those bears. Mm-hmm. But at real, live, salmon-eaten, honey, honeycomb. I used to know the Latin blend. name, and it would have been so funny if I... For bear? Yeah. So, um, Uris... Ursula. Er, yeah, it's know. Ursa. Ursa. Yeah, because yep. Ursa Major is a constellation. Huh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Real live Ursas. <laughs> Ursas. <laughs> By the way, it's been five minutes. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is the extra long intro version of <laughs> That Broad's Got Moxie. We're just fucking chatting. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm Kiana. I'm Cassie. We're here. We're chatting. Yep. It's Pride Month, like we said. Going camping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in Philly. You are going to be in Philly. You're going to see Later the Liberty week. Bell mm-hmm. and walk on some old cobblestone streets I'm going and shit. to Benny Frank's grave. Ooh, shit. That's exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. I found the frosting that I dropped earlier. <laughs> stuck to my pants. <laughs> Don't lie. You're not wearing pants. You're wearing overalls. Over. They're stuck to my overalls. We were eating cupcakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of cupcakes mm-hmm. um, that I made yesterday. Very good cupcakes. Thank you. They're sparkle fart cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Which is... Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe yes, your company, Sparkle my... Fart, not just... Exactly. <laughs> my... This is Cassie. Mm-hmm. This is my... My step into entrepreneurial ship. On... Look. No, you have it right. Yeah, okay. Okay. Thank you. I was like, it sounded wrong. There's a lot of extra words in there. Yeah. I make cupcakes. And they're called Sparkle Fart Cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Danny named it. Good job. And anyway, I dropped strawberry frosting earlier and we couldn't find it. And now it's stuck to my pant leg. (laughs) (laughs) It is just mashed in there. So don't worry. The ants will not get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This so, is episode 19. No. This last is episode, episode 20. That's right. 20. The big 2-0. We're two, two decades. Two decades in. Counting. <laughs> 20 kids and counting. Gross. <laughs> Did they stop at some... I don't know. Maybe they're at 37. I'm not sure. Oh, I think the, I think the mom was getting... Her uterus was becoming inhospitable. Inhospitable. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Inhospitable. It's haunted. <laughs> what? There are ghosts. 
Ghost in my uterus. <laughs> Ghost in my uterus. Mine has a honey badger that lives in it. And what? once a month, it gets real angry. Oh. <laughs> so, not so much haunted uterus, but angry uterus. I mean, there are spirits that are angry. <laughs> oh, they're very angry. <laughs> I got some swashbucklers. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. Uh Anyway, <laughs> swashbuckling uterus. Now I just imagine. <laughs> now I just imagine like like a, a diagram of a uterus, but where one fallopian tube hangs on to each one of the ovaries. One's got like <laughs> a treasure chest where the ovary is, <laughs> and the other one's holding like a sword where yeah. the you know, and it's With wearing those boots. Real, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, losing my damn mind. Okay. Anyway, episode 20. Mm-hmm. I'm going first. Mm-hmm. It's an even, even weekend. Even weekend. Okay, here we go. I'm going to jump into my story. So, today. Who you be doing? I am going to tell you all about Lily Tomlin. Oh, yeah. Yes. Lily Tomlin is an actress, comedian, and a gay icon. My sources were, I took some bits from a Marie Claire article, and then Out.com, Wikipedia, and her her entry on Biography.com. Also, I just went through and listened to a bunch of her stand-up bits and a bunch of different interviews that I, you know, I just kind of Googled her on YouTube and watched a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So... Actually, her and Jane Fonda did a really good TED Talk with another friend of theirs, and it was all about having strong female friendships. It was really good. I learned a lot from it. Okay. Lily Tomlin was born Mary Jean Tomlin on September 1st, 1939, in Detroit, Michigan, to her parents Guy and Lily May. Which is where Lily got her name, where she decided to go by Lily. The Tomlins were Southern Baptists Mm. from Kentucky who had relocated to Michigan during the Great Depression. Okay. Lily grew up admiring the funny ladies of her childhood, like Lucille Ball, B. Lily, and Jean Carroll. So, she's always had an interest in acting and being Mm. funny. She was a real character. As a young child, yes. After graduating high school, Lily attended attended Jesus. <laughs> Lily attended Wayne Wayne State University to study medicine. Oh, but her first year of college, she took a bunch of theater classes and auditioned for a play because she was like, "Oh, this will be fun," and she was inspired to leave college altogether and started performing stand up at local coffee houses and nightclubs in Michigan. In Michigan, yes. So after kind of getting her feet on the ground, doing these, like, coffee house performances that were just a bunch of college kids who would come in, like, read poetry, or Mm -hmm. they would sing or play instruments, so she did They'd play Wonderwall? Yes. (laughs) On guitar? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
so after kind of getting her, her feet on the ground, in 1965, she moved to New York City to begin her career in comedy and made her television debut on The Gary Moore Show a year later. She then began appearing on The Merv Griffin Show, and then she was a regular on a show called Music Scene. And I think she was hmm. kind of the host. I think it was like an early, almost kind of like TRL Oh, if anybody remembers what TRL is. I don't even know if it's out anymore. <laughs> I think... I don't know. I don't know. But I think that's what, I think that's what it was. Yeah, like, like a she, here's music kind yes, of deal. yeah. After that, and kind of doing these short stints on these other TV shows, mm-hmm. she became a star when she joined the cast of Laugh-In. Mm-hmm. Laugh-In was it's a comedy variety show yeah that did vignettes and had musical numbers and they did they had the wall the yes, joke wall it's thing it's a very iconic one where people would like open the wall and kind of pop their head out and give like a zinger or a mm-hmm. one liner and then they would yeah. just pop up all over it and on Netflix right now which i have not watched there's a special that's like celebrating the probably the 50th anniversary or something. Yeah. The 50th anniversary of Laugh-In with a whole bunch of popular actors and comedians mm-hmm. now kind and of reenacting like, and yeah. Mixing back in the day actors and yes. Nowadays. Exactly. Well, that's cool. Tiffany Haddish is on it and apparently she's a fucking riot. I bet. I love Tiffany, her. <laughs> she's a treasure. She's so funny. Yeah, she is. So from 1964... Excuse me. Let me try again. From okay. 1969 <laughs> <Go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> to nice. 1974, she was she was a star. Like mm-hmm. immediately took off. She worked with Goldie Hawn, mm. which is where Goldie Hawn got her got her acting career started. Oh. And so Lily's whole thing was she would create characters and then write and act out these, you know, short skits and vignettes around these characters. Mm -hmm. Some of her characters included Edith Ann, Mm -hmm. who was a mischievous five and a half year old who had a dog who was her best friend. Mm -hmm. And every time she said the, like a sound, like a Mm -hmm. TH sound, she would like like raspberry. Yeah. So she's like, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is very funny. And going back and watching some of these clips and stuff from mm-hmm. Laffin of her doing these characters, it's just hysterical. Was she... she did she ever, like, do it from her knees? But, like, put shoes on her feet? You know no. That? Oh, okay. They built... She When she did these vignettes to make her look small, they built a really big chair. Like, I think um, there's several of them where she's in, like, like she's sitting in a rocking chair Mm -hmm. so that she looks child size. It's just an enormous chair. Yeah. Which is really funny. That's Uh, weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little obscure. I just, can we get huge chairs in the podcast dome where we're currently? (laughs) The podcast dome. (laughs) I mean, we can. And record from. Where are we recording it again? I forgot what I said. Live from the podcast <laughs> dome, it's that broad's got Moxie. 
That's my announcer voice. Oh, perfect. The podcast dome. That's where we are. So I mean, if we could fit chairs like that in here, yes. So to explain what I just said. Yes, please do. We are re-recording because some of our audio got mm-hmm. messed up. And in the last episode, we named the room the podcast dome. That's right. And I, I did that voice. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. So now we're live from the podcast dome. <laughs> Um, it's so good. You got a real good voice for announcing. A really, really good podcast man dump. voice. <laughs> we you could you could announce at monster truck rallies. I could. Mm-hmm. I've been jokingly doing like impressions. Like that's the bit that I've been doing. <laughs> but none of none of them are good. But. <laughs> They're all just shitty impressions that you're like, ah, yes, glorious. (laughs) But yesterday we were at Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. and there were two, like, bros. Like, bro bros. Oh, gosh. No, but listen to me. They were in the wine section discussing wine. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this isn't real life. It felt fake. It felt weird Mm -hmm. to be witnessing, but it was like... Nah, dude, I'm, like, a real big fan of Spanish wines. He's like, oh, no, if you want a drier finish, you should be going with, like, Napa Valley or something. <laughs> like, that's the conversation that was happening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The but, most surreal thing. But it inspired me so that I started doing that voice at the cash register with Zeth. Perfect. And he looked at me, he's like, man, you're just a you're bully. You're just me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. But it was bizarre. That's very strange. And I... That's just the world we live in nowadays. Yeah. Bros chatting wine. Bros chatting wine. That's a good podcast idea. Oh my gosh. Can we? We're not... Well, like, we could do bro impressions. I can do a bro accent real good. A bro accent. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Sorry to derail. That was just a bunch of... Obscure. Half stories put into... (laughs) Perfect. Good luck, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad I don't have to edit this. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> where was I? Okay, that's Edith Ann. I think probably her most famous character. Her name is Ernestine. Mm-hmm. And she is a telephone operator. And so there's a ton of these clips. When she's calling someone, she'll go, one ringy-dingy. <laughs> Two ringy dingy, <laughs> and then she talk. She talks to a bunch of celebrities mm-hmm. about things, and she, there's one where she. It's really funny where she talks to President Nixon about wiretapping. Dink, <laughs> Dink Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wiretapping. Wait, yeah. It's oh my gosh, it's Can, very funny. Tell I'm me. gonna go off again. Okay, so mm-hmm. Nixon, famous for the Watergate, sure scandal. A thing that I hate that happens nowadays, yeah. every time there's a scandal, they just take the word and add gate to the end of it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yes. about? <laughs> yes. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but it happens every time. It does. It and happens a lot. It's really dumb. You can just... You cannot do that. You sure can <laughs> It was called Watergate. It wasn't a water scandal that they just included gate no! in it. It's the Watergate Hotel. It's Watergate, yes. And to then take gate and add it on to things. Stick it on things. Does it make literally any sense? No, it doesn't. And we do, and not everything is that big of a deal. No. No, it's not. 
And it's just something that irritates me. Mm-hmm. And I needed to let people know. Thank you. I appreciate it. So next time you see see a scandal that has gate at the end, block it. Punch it <laughs> right in the face. Because <laughs> that's dumb. It is. Where was I? Watergate. Watergate. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> While you're tapping, Watergate. Phone conversation that Ernestine has with Richard Nixon. Very funny. Dink Nixon. It's a, it's a good episode. So she has these great characters. She also had a bag lady who was real funny and a wino. And uh, Lily was actually one of the first female comedians to break out in male drag with a couple of her characters called Tommy Valour, who like cruises singles bars and a character named Rick. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Lily Tomlin met a woman named Jane Wagner in 1971. She was looking for a writer to help develop her Edith Ann character for mm-hmm. Laughing. And so, Jane Wagner happened to be a writer for other TV shows and stuff. They met, and the two felt an immediate connection, both professionally and romantically. And they became a couple. Oh, hello. Which, 1971, real Mm low-key, but I will say this. While Lily and Jane have been together for damn near 50 years, Mm -hmm. they never, like, talked about it in newspapers or TV or anything like that. Like, everyone knew they were together, Mm -hmm. basically, from the beginning. But... They never made it a big public to Yeah, official, official. Exactly. So they're a couple. They're working and writing together. And then after her success on Laugh-In, Lily worked on... She did six TV comedy specials uh, that she co-wrote with Jane. Hmm. So they have been partners, mm-hmm. both professionally and romantically, for, like I said, almost 50 years. Yeah. <clears throat> so Lily made the jump to the big screen with her film debut... In Robert Altman's film, Nashville, in her role as a gospel singer and the mother of two deaf children, earned her an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Oh. She did not win that year, which is very sad. Do you Um, know who she lost to? Someone like that. I don't remember. (laughs) Anyway, since her jump to the big screen, she um, has worked on many, many other films. Some of my favorites include the campy, iconic 9 to 5. Hell yeah. Uh, with Do- Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda, mm-hmm. which apparently, according to an interview I listened to, it took Jane Fonda, like, a solid year to, because she had written this, it was a very dark comedy. Mm-hmm. 9 to 5 was supposed to be very dark comedy. Yeah. And then she saw Lily Tomlin perform... In Appearing Nightly, which was one of her comedy specials. Mm -hmm. And she was like, she's hilarious. I need her in this movie. So she rewrote the movie. Oh, hello. And spent a year trying to get Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton to to be in this movie with her. And Lily Tomlin almost didn't do it. She was like, I want a serious acting role. Yeah. I like being funny, but I want to be serious. Yeah. But what a shame that would have been. What a sh- <laughs> exactly. God bless her for doing it because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Good song too. Great song. Great song. You're welcome. 
She was also in The Incredible Shrinking Woman in 1981, All of Me with Steve Martin in 1984, Big Business with Bette Midler, Mm. goddess, in 1988, (laughs) Flirting with Disaster in 1996, and this was an exciting one that I've, I've never seen it, but I want to, Tea with Mussolini is the name of the movie. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And it stars Dame Judi Dench and the honorary queen Cher. Honorary queen? Yeah, she's gays. The gays. Oh, queen in that. I was like, she is a queen. Excuse. (laughs) (laughs) She is a queen. Oh my god. I just got, I shut shit down. My, my, hmm. What? I just got my shit shut down by Kiana over here. <laughs> I just, I didn't, him. I understand the honorary queen, but I, because queen has two different. Yes. So you were reading it one way and I was like, <laughs> sharing honorary shit. <laughs> she is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Ugh. Anyway, she's also in a film called A Prairie Home Companion with Meryl Streep. Oh, hello. Also a goddess. And she starred in the movie Grandma in 2015, which I want to see, but I have not seen yet. Is that a horror movie? No. <laughs> it's not. It's... Sorry. I, anyway. ju- I was like, Lily Tomlin has dove into horror? Film? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. While appearing on the big screen, Lily also made her Broadway debut in her show, Appearing Nightly, which is the one that Jane Fonda saw her in. Hmm. And it was written and directed by Jane Wagner. The show incorporated Lily's favorite roles from Laugh-In, including Ernestine and a character who's like a 1960s housewife named Judith Beasley. Hmm. And it also introduced new characters such as Trudy the Bag Lady and Rick the Singles Bar Cruiser. After a brief time away from the stage, Lily returned to Broadway in 1985 and won a Tony Award for her performance in the one-woman show called The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, which is a very long name for a show. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an acronym or initialism? T-S-S-I-L-E-F-U. Okay, so so no. It's not. Where was I? Okay. In 1993, Lily Tomlin continued her work in television, appearing in the HBO special called And the Band Played On, which Mm. is about the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. Mm. She has also guest starred in numerous TV shows. She was a ghost on The X-Files. Oh, hello. (laughs) She's Will's boss, Margot, on Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. She was the presidential secretary on the West Wing. I oh. think she was on that for like seven years. And she's also done voiceover work for a bunch of movies and TV shows, including playing the eccentric, silly science teacher, Ms. Frizzle. Oh, on the Magic, Magic School, School bus. bus. Yes. Who doesn't love the Magic School Bus? Haters. Haters. Mm-hmm. And people who aren't smart. <laughs> Racists. Racists. <laughs> Racists hate the magic school bus. Yeah. Flat earthers probably don't like the magic school bus either. Probably. Or like 
people who are super anti-magic. <gasps> yeah. Except Miss Frizzle was a scientist, That's so. God damn it. <laughs> she just had a shrinking school bus. <laughs> that went from in people's science. noses and shit. <laughs> I think it time traveled too, didn't it? Yeah, it totally yeah. did. She has guest voiced on The Simpsons and mm. was most recently, she played Aunt May in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good movie. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. I kind of wanted to, though. I, I'm going to admit something to you right now. Tell me. I haven't seen it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but it got a lot of aw- um, awards it and did. stuff. And Levi and Sage and Zeth, and they they love it. They went they went and saw it without me because <gasps> no. they asked me if I wanted to go, and I said no. Oh. <laughs> because I was poor. <laughs> but how dare they go without me? <laughs> For real. Rude. Gosh. No. Um, in two 2000- thousand. <laughs> In 2015, Lily starred with Jane Fonda in the Netflix series Grace and Frankie, which is hysterical. It's very Mm -hmm. good. So basically, they play two women whose lives are rocked after their husbands fall in love. Mm -hmm. And so they go, I'm divorcing you. Well, I'm divorcing you. And now we're going to get married because we love each other. Okay. It's very good. Sam Waterston and Martin Sheen... Yes, Martin oh, Sheen. Oh, Martin Sheen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Play their husbands who fall in love. And they have a really, really sweet love story to follow. But also, <laughs> like, Grace and Frankie have to learn how to, like, live with each other and actually be friends. And mm-hmm. they're very, very different people. Lily Tomlin plays this, like, kooky, eccentric, weed-smoking artist mm-hmm. who has two adopted sons named Coyote and Bud. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, she's it's hysterical. It's exactly who I imagine Lily Tomlin is in real life. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh, hashtag goals. <laughs> and it's still on, right? It's still on. It's been, uh, there's five seasons. Okay. They're all on Netflix, so go watch them. They're very funny. So, Lily, we're going to delve into her personal Mm -hmm. life just a little bit. So Lily and Jane Wagner have been together for nearly 50 years. Mm -hmm. In August 2013, after the federal ruling in support of same-sex marriage, deeming the Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional and striking down Proposition 8, the two announced that they might just get married. Mm. Prop 8 was overturned. Doma was overturned. They yeah. were like, that's some real bullshit. You guys can get married. Yeah. And they were like, well, might as well. In an interview with E! News, Lily stated that she was contemplating marriage and said, quote, you don't really need to get married, but mm-hmm. marriage is awfully nice. Everybody I know who got married, <laughs> they say it really makes a difference. They feel very, very happy about it. Oh. Um, I, first of all, let me just say this real quick. Listening to interviews, I love the way that Lily Tomlin talks. Mm-hmm. She just has this, like, super easygoing, she just seems very happy and, f- like, goes with the flow. And she's very soothing to listen to. I would love to listen to her read a book. Oh. Lily Tomlin, if you're listening. Audiobook. Please read an audiobook. I would love that. Anyway, on New Year's Eve 2014, 74-year-old Lily and 78-year-old Jane made it official 
when they got married in a private ceremony in Los Angeles, California. While making an appearance on the Ellen Denner... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the Ellen Denner show. <laughs> <laughs> on the Lesbian Jesus show. <laughs> no. <laughs> on the Ellen De- DeGeneres. <laughs> Almost did it again. Try one more time. Okay. On the... On the Ellen DeGeneres show. No. Yeah. Degener- what did you say? DeGeneres. It sounds like you're calling her a degenerate. I know! <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, though. Ellen DeGeneres. Let's do this. On Ellen. On the Ellen show. <laughs> In January 2... Two- That's Ellen true, because DeGeneres. I think it's just called the Ellen show. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. That's what I said. Play that audio back. I don't think that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. On the Ellen show in January 2009, they're having an interview. Lily revealed that she had been offered the cover of Time magazine back in 1975. And so basically they were like, we'll give you, we'll give you the cover, Mm -hmm. but you have to come out. And so she's having, she's talking to Ellen in this interview and she was like, I wanted that cover. Yeah. It's very exciting. But she said, quote, I just decided that I wasn't going to play their game. I wanted to be recognized for my performance. She ultimately, obviously, declined mm-hmm. and said that's not happening. And when she's talking to Ellen, she's like, and seeing what you went through in the 90s when you came out. Yeah. It's probably a, like a, a good choice. Yeah. But like I, like I said earlier, she never hit it. Mm-hmm. She never was like, oh, no, that's not me. She never denied it. Yeah. The people but who needed to know knew. Exactly. And she was just living her fucking life. I was like, I don't need to announce it on the cover of a magazine. If I'm going to be on the cover of this, I'm going to do it my way. And ultimately, she was. Mm-hmm. She was on the cover, I think, three or four years later. Hell yeah. So. <clears throat> Getting shit done. Getting shit done. Let's see. Lily has won a number of awards, including a Tony, a Grammy for Best Comedy Album, six Emmys. Oh, hello. She's received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the uh, Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. She's got two Peabody Awards, and she was awarded awarded the Susan M. Love Award for her contributions to women's health. And she was one of the five honorees of the 2014 Kennedy Center Honors. Oh. So, she's got a P-GOT, Mm-mm. except okay. for the O. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> She's no, got no. a P-GOT. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just that one Oscar away from being in the ranks of... Three people. Three people. Yeah. Including... Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno, mm-hmm. who we love very much. Who just got it. Yeah. Because she just got her Peabody. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, if she had won that Oscar back in 74, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're redo- They're remaking 9 to 5, right? They are remaking 9 to 5. Maybe we well, they're not. Uh, it's not necessarily a remake. Rebooting. It's just a, it's, it's a reboot. Yeah. But. We're getting out to five. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So anyway, sorry, it's the second time I've seen it. <laughs> it's on the brain. It's real catchy. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Yeah. And you bet your bottom dollar, because I just got a new job, that's a nine to five, that I'm going to be rolling my way to work in my little car. That's right. (laughs) With that song on repeat. You're going to stumble out of bed and wander to the kitchen? Yeah. Pour yourself a cup of ambition? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Of course. (laughs) Yawn and stretch and try to come alive. And then I'm going to skip out of the house. (laughs) Not skip. You know, I'm going to strut. Yeah. To the beat. Exactly. Working nine to five. (laughs) I have a funny story real quick. So, um, Rick and Tabitha, Mm -hmm. one of my my besties and his wife came to visit just over this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Look, guys, we're in the time-space continuum somewhere. So, people are listening to this who know us and know all this. They're like, that was three weeks ago. What are you talking about? Anyway. Yeah. We happen to be... Up on Northwest 23rd, Mm -hmm. doing some shopping and getting treats and stuff. And this man, we're walking, the four of us are walking, and there's this man behind us who's riding a bike, but has, like, a little Bluetooth speaker and his phone playing music. Mm -hmm. And first, it was play that funky music, white boy. Hello. (laughs) But then, we cross the street... And sure enough, fucking Stayin' Alive comes on. And I was like, I, I said to Danny, I was like, it is taking everything in my power to not fucking John Travolta strut my way down this sidewalk. <laughs> Eventually I did. Just, just you a tiny it. hair. Because I was like, I feel like I'm in a movie <laughs> with a fucking, like, music playback mm-hmm. over what I'm doing in my daily. I was like, am I... Is this real life? No way. (laughs) 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 Music is good. It's so good. Hot take, I know. Mm -hmm. Music is good. Perfect. Just what happens. (sighs) All right, that's all I got. Nice. Tomlin. Lily yes. Tomlin. She's a fucking She icon. is staying alive. She is staying alive. <laughs> she's not dead. Oh, she's hilarious. She's so perfect. All right. Who are you talking about? Uh, you today, I'm talking about Frida Kahlo. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Also, you said talking about, and I almost went, talking it up on the Barry Gibb Talk Show. <laughs> Wait. I got to do the other part. This is the... Talk about chest hair. <laughs> Talk about crazy cool medallions. <laughs> That's Danny's favorite fucking thing in the world. She's like, just do it. Just do it real quick. It's fucking good. Free to call Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I forgot. Sorry. I'm no, sorry. Okay. No, don't ever apologize for doing that. Okay, I won't. I'll never apologize. I'm talking about Frida Kahlo. Yeah, you are. Some of my sources. Mm-hmm. An article called Six Reasons Why Frida Kahlo is a Feminist Icon by Maddie Crahan. Uh, Britannica entry on Frida Kahlo. Uh, FridaKahloFoundation.org. FridaKahlo.org. Different. And Wikipedia. Hmm. The old Wikipedia. The old Wikipedia. Which we hope is accurate, but you never know. Never know. People go in there and change things. Uh-huh. I remember distinctly in high school. Uh, no, middle school, seventh grade. 
it's when teachers are always like, don't use Wikipedia. It's not right. Oh, yeah. But somebody, it was, it was for the Holocaust, we were in the Holocaust uh-huh. portion of our learning. And somebody wikipedia Hitler, mm-hmm. and it said that he was defeated by grenades and magic fairy wands. <laughs> and, and that's when Af- I, like, <laughs> didn't understand why teachers were so, like, don't look at Wikipedia. Yeah. And then I read that and was like, mm, mm, people can just change things. That's why. Because mm-hmm. that's not what, it, that's not how it happened. It sure isn't. Sure ain't. Also, his middle name is not as Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. It's Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of names. Yes. Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was born Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo E. Calderon on July 6th, 1907. Oh, 1907? Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't realize it was that long ago. Anyway, continue. Mm-hmm. She grew up in a town called Coyacan probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, which is located on the outskirts of Mexico City. Hmm. So it's like a suburb of Mexican Mexico City. Her childhood home was known as La Casa Azul, which translates to... Blue House. Exactly. Yes. Look at you. I'm a Spanish speaker. No, I'm not. <laughs> I know a couple words. And blue and house happen to be one of them. And dos. I know dos. I know three words. Do you not know how to count? Yeah. Okay. So at least you know I know few. ten. Yeah. Oh, shit. Two words and he said in those happen to be one of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> in the Blue House, she lived with her mother, her father, two sister, two older sisters, and one younger sister. Three years after she was born, the Mexican Revolution began. So, Frida recalled that her mother would hide them away when they heard gunfire gun f- mm-hmm. outside. <laughs> Gunflower. Hmm. Mm. And sometimes she, like, recalls men jumping over their fence and, oh. like, going oh. into their backyard searching for help. Oh. And her mother would prepare them meals because they supported the uh-huh. revolution. Oh, okay. And the revolution actually began in 1910 mm-hmm. when she was three years old. Which makes sense, because earlier I said three years after she was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good job. <laughs> Math. But it began in 1910, but later Frida would say that she was born in 1910, mm-hmm. so that she would be associated oh, with right. the revolution, because she was actually very political, oh, as well okay. as an artist. Uh-huh. Um, when she was six years old, she contracted polio. And was bedridden for nine months. She eventually became better, but suffered from lasting effects. And her right leg was thinner and weaker than her left one. Mm -hmm. And it's also believed that either it was polio or it was either spina bifida. But she had a a disease that affected her spinal and leg development. Uh So not only was her right leg weaker and thinner, like Uh some other parts weren't developing correctly. Oh, okay. Regardless of what it was, Mm -hmm. she walked with a limp for the rest of her life Mm -hmm. because of it. And she was pretty self-conscious about it. So she, this is why she started wearing, like, long skirts. Oh, okay. And then she would sometimes wear, like, pants. Like, she always... Gotcha. But she would keep it covered because she Uh didn't like people seeing it. Understood. Um, (laughs) who's that? (laughs) 
<laughs> Just a can of acetone. Don't worry oh about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why did it do that? <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> Growing up, she was very close to her father, who was a photographer. And this is... She helped him in the studio, which is where she picked up her sharp eye for detail, which would later help her with, like, painting. Painting as we know her. and things like I'm, that. I'm assuming that everybody just knows who Frida Kahlo is. Yeah. I and think I, that's a safe assumption. If nothing else, you know she's a painter. Yeah. Or you know her face. Mm-hmm. You might not know her name, but you've, yeah. you've seen her. You yeah. know her. He... Her father... So she was close to her father. She had an eye for detail because uh, she helped him with photography and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he also encouraged her to play sports. Because he was like, listen, you, this could help with your development. Oh, like okay. Like exercising and stuff. Sure. So she picked up soccer, swimming, and even wrestled and boxed, which was uncommon for women at the time. Mm. But she was like, I don't care about societal rules. I'm going to do what I want. Exactly. And like you. Yeah. Oh, yay. It was less of a, well, I mean, in the 1900s, <laughs> it was a bigger <laughs> deal than <laughs> 2005. You know. Yeah. 2010. (laughs) Look, I can't keep track of your... You can barely keep track of your age. I know. So I understand. (laughs) I am not so caught up in myself that I think you should know the timeline of my life. Okay, that's good. That's good. (laughs) But I was just reminding you. Thank you. Um, So oftentimes at this age, like puberty and stuff... Mm -hmm. Women began to feel the need to act more feminine, especially in the 1900s. That pressure was felt. But Frida didn't care. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was like, like, mm, what she was like okay, I've been doing what I've been doing. I'm going to keep doing what I've yeah, been doing. Exactly. And so into high school, she smoked, boxed, won tequila challenges against men. <laughs> Which I do not know what a tequila challenge is. It's not fun. But I think I would lose. <laughs> I've lost uh, I've lost badly in games involving tequila. Mm-mm. Rug burn happened. <laughs> times. They're rough times. So, bless her. Good, good job, Frida. And she also would often dress... Like, okay, so it, there's a family portrait taken. Uh-huh. And she was in a suit, like a male suit, and had her hair slicked back. Oh, snazzy. She, she would look more, like, masculine. Uh-huh. And she refused to alter her masculine features, including her monobrow, which uh-huh. she is famous for having, mm-hmm. and also her faint mustache. Faint mustache. Mm-hmm. God, rockin' body hair. That's yeah, fucking. And when she would paint, it. when she would paint herself, mm-hmm. she exaggerated it. That's right. More often, she was like, "Good for her. I'm She's... not going to be ashamed of this." Exactly. It's part of your body. If you don't, if if you don't want to get rid of it, like society tells you to fucking rocket keep it yeah it grows there it's not unnatural to be there exactly i just listen real quick interjection and because i love it i just listened to a three-part episode on uh unladylike about mm-hmm. wearing body hair mm-hmm. and it was really good it was i liked it yeah. a lot so go what, listen to that it was like wasn't the idea of women shaving pushed on women because razor companies weren't making enough alone off of men's facial hair. Yeah. And so they were they started pushing this idea that it was un quote uh-huh. unclean to yeah. have the hair. Exactly. Corporations fuck us over again. They sure do. <laughs> Corporations And are- now we pay a pink tax to get lady razors mm-hmm. instead of man razors because they're special. Yeah. 
It's some real bullshit. I buy Mm -hmm. men's razors. I do too. (laughs) Most men things because Mm -hmm. women's products are so much. I refuse. More expensive. Mm -hmm. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) But she also, so even though she would play with this masculine side of herself and like show it off to the world, Mm -hmm. she also embraced her femininity and her heritage. So she was, she was Mexican, but also I don't know if I mentioned this. Her father was German or Polish. Oh, I didn't he know that. Your, so she was, she's biracial. Oh. Well, shit. Yeah. That's fun, fun fact for you. Thank you. But she would wear colorful dresses and decorate her hair with, like, the braids and, like, flowers. Mm-hmm. Which was what people mostly Become associate I, with became her. became iconic, yeah. Yeah. But she didn't always wear feminine things. In 1922, Frida enrolled in the National Preparatory School in Mexico City. Um, I keep just saying Mexico and then realizing <laughs> that I need to say the, the word city because it wasn't like the whole. <laughs> she <laughs> she went to the school that was in the whole of Mexico. She everywhere. No, Mexico City. She would paint in her spare time at this point, but was ultimately interested in studying medicine and science. Oh, similar to Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, she was one of thirty-five girls to attend the school. And the rest were boys. Wow. And she was known to be outspoken and courageous by her classmates. So, like... She's not taking shit from anybody. She's, she doesn't take shit. Mm-mm. And she she can fight them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she can. She's a fucking boxer. Exactly. <laughs> and while she was attending this school is when she met Diego Rivera, who was a famous Mexican muralist who comes in later in the story because mm-hmm. they ended up having a very infamous relationship Mm -hmm. but he was painting a mural at the school and she often spent time just watching him work Mm -hmm. and paint and she really admired him and she told her friends that she would marry him one day just like "Hmm, i'm gonna marry him one day right and she's a girl who sets goals because she did (laughs) good (laughs) at this time she was a promising medical student because she was studying science and medicine Mm -hmm. But then in 1925, she was involved in a very serious bus accident. So in the accident, a steel handrail impaled her through the hip. No! Yeah. (laughs) Her spine and pelvis were fractured. And this accident would late, she'd later find out, left her infertile. Oh, okay. Because, you know, all that area is where the the ghost uterus stays. (laughs) (laughs) That swashbuckler. Swashbuckling uterus. Oh, shit. I don't even know where that came from. Anyway. I don't know why we started talking about that. But it put her in a great deal of pain physically and psychologically. Oh, gosh. It sounds... It's the worst. It sounds like the worst thing I can imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty bad. She was in a full body cast for three months because of it. And in a temporary state of immobilization. So she couldn't move. Mm-hmm. During the very slow recovery, Kahlo pursued painting even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, she read frequently and began to actually study the art of painting and, like, was reading about old masters and stuff. Oh, okay. And her parents encouraged her to pick up this hobby mm-hmm. because she was bedridden. Yeah. And they bought her paint. They made her a special easel so that she can paint from her bed. And they also gave her brushes and Basically, of, they yeah. s- they set her up so that she had something to do while waiting for her body to yeah, and they piece put, itself back together. They put a mirror above her 
so that she could look at herself. And that's why she does so many self-portraits. Okay. And I have a quote from her. She says, I paint myself because I am often alone and I am the subject I know best. So she would be Mm -hmm. alone recovering Mm because, I mean, her parents had to work and, you know, get on with other things. You spend a lot of time alone Mm -hmm. when you're recovering from something like that. Once she recovered and was able to get out of the bed, she no longer had an interest in a medical career. Mm-hmm. And instead, she focused wholeheartedly on her pas- passion for art and politics. Because, oh, okay. You know. In 1927, she joined the Mexican Communist Party, where she reconnected with Diego Rivera, who was also a communist. And she showed him some of her work, and he really liked it, and encouraged her continue paint to continue painting and they mm-hmm. he sort of like was giving her feedback and stuff and then one year later they were married oh wow yeah she really real quick put that out in the universe and then turn around and boom yeah married i don't know i might have skipped this line but while she was in in bed that's where she painted her first self-portrait oh okay didn't Just know that s- s- sne- sneaking that in there good to know <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> So one year later, they're married. Their marriage was a tumultuous one. They were both extremely temperamental people, and they both had extramarital affairs throughout their entire marriage. Mm. Mm. And I don't think they discussed it, you know? Because, yeah. like, polyam- yeah, polyamory exactly. is a thing. But That's 100%, a, you know, a positive way to do your thing, but... Mm-hmm. Not if you're... <laughs> not if you don't talk about it first. Okay, communication is key. <laughs> um, not only were they having affairs with... Not with one another, but with other people. Extramaritally. Yeah. Extramaritally. They also had separate homes and studios. <laughs> <laughs> so really, they were like, we're married, but just in the vaguest of terms. We don't live together. We mm-hmm. don't work together. We are sleeping with other people. Yeah. Okay. But we fight with one another, and that's what we do in marriage. That's, that's what <laughs> makes a marriage. <laughs> Diego had a shit ton of affairs, and one of them that, like, pushed Callow over the edge, and I think they Uh-oh. divorced after this, but I, was her sister. No. Her younger sister, Christina. Oh, shit. Which also, that's not nice of you to do, sister. That sure isn't. <laughs> that's, that's not a very sisterly thing to do. No, not at all. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> If somebody was like, hey, you want to hook up? I just hooked up with your sister. I'd be like, oh, uh, no. Not only that, I'm married to your sister. I'm married. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. That's. I can understand why she was not particularly happy about that. <laughs> not fond of that affair. And so that was his affairs. She also was having affairs. Um, She was openly bisexual at this time. Mm-hmm. And carried on affairs with both men and women, which included, but not was not limited to, Georgia O'Keeffe. Uh-huh. Another painter. Shavella Vargas, who mm. I don't know. Okay. I think is also a painter. Okay. Josephine Baker. That's right. With the mm-hmm. banana skirt. Yep. And Trotsky. Oh, okay. That, the, the communist. The communist. <laughs> <laughs> Trotsky I, the communist. Wouldn't that be a funny comic strip? <laughs> I'm sure it exists somewhere. Somebody, somebody make it. Somebody find it. I, when I was looking at people, she, there was like a full list of like famous people who she had been connected with. Uh-huh. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, Josephine Baker. That's cool. Oh, mm-hmm. Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Where did they meet? Well, he had to flee to Mexico. That's right. And he stayed in her house. Him, oh. Trotsky and his wife stayed in Frida's home. She really? was like, yeah. And it was at this time where she was like, ooh. How you doing? How you doing? Hi. Hi. Which is also wild, because I didn't know that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> nope, Because no she was... She was... I haven't put a bunch about her politics in there, but she's was very vocal. Mm-hmm. She was very vocal about everything she did, because she was very unashamed. Yeah. Because there was no need to be. Exactly. <laughs> she go, was like... Go get him. She was smart and knew what she believed in. Mm-hmm. In the early years of the marriage with Diego, they moved around a lot. Okay. Because Diego was a muralist. So it's not oh, like he could... that's right. It's not like he could work f- from one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lived in San, Fr- San Francisco, New York City, and Detroit, to name a few. And Frida, during this period, just continued to paint and started adding more surrealist elements to her painting. Mm-hmm. And she also began to draw greatly from Mexican folklore and culture. Okay. Uh-huh. Because, you know, you sort of... You become more, at least, this is me speculating from Uh what I know, you become more attached to your, like, heritage when you leave it. Yes. And you all of a sudden become the other. You're more self-reflective and stuff. So that's what I assume happened to her. Mm -hmm. Also, during this time, she experienced several miscarriages and began to express this pain in her artwork. Uh Uh-huh. In the article by Maddie Crahan, she noted... Though there is always a sense of despair and suffering in her self-portraits, her gaze remains defiant and fierce. While so many women are depicted as the victim, Frida demonstrates that pain is an intrinsic part of life but does not define us. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. It's it's true though. I mean, when you look at when you look at paintings and it's very much I think that's what sidebar. This is that's what intrigues me about painters and mm-hmm. just artists in general. It's like, some of them are just like, you know, mm, it's, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But there's some paintings, like, specifically like Frida Kahlo's, that you look at and you're like, there's something more to this. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's there's emotion, there's heart, there's a lot to read yeah. in this painting. In high school, mm-hmm. I became, like, obsessed with Frida Kahlo's work because I don't, we're going to get real bougie art critic over here. Do it. Us talking. Do it. <laughs> I don't like surrealist oh, painting. Okay. Uh-huh. Because I don't like the idea that you're putting all this work into something and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's not. It's a dream. Like, uh, Dolly is another surrealist. And they're uh-huh. like melting clocks. Like, literally everything he's done. He's just like, no, it's a dream. It doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. And you're like, what? It's... Why? Like, there's... No, there's... I believe there's nothing you can do that's not that doesn't have meaning into it uh-huh. because that's how we communicate that's how that's like our individuals have a culture that's absolutely not the same as anybody else's mm-hmm. and anything they do has a motive behind it mm-hmm. that is from a bunch of different experiences that they alone exactly have had. yeah so but i like the the visuals of uh-huh. surrealist yeah yeah and frida is just loaded with meaning. Like, all of her work is loaded with meaning, mm-hmm. but it has the elements, like, visually that I really like. Okay. And one of them 
and I'm forgetting what it's called and maybe I wrote it down, but probably not. She's in a hospital bed. It was after one of her miscarriages. Uh-huh. And it's her naked laying in a hospital bed. Uh-huh. And then there are like six icons around her. Oh, yes. I know yeah. which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And like you, you look at that and the colors are bright and everything's great. And like it has meaning. Mm-hmm. Like all everything she chose to paint was very deliberate. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about it. I think she's great. <laughs> she is great. Absolutely. <laughs> I can tell that this is, that she's someone that you are just like enamored with. Yeah. Well, and she's like. She's an artist. She's queer. She's a fucking She's revolutionary. Differently abled. Mm-hmm. She was super political. She was ev- like, ugh, mm-hmm. uh, just s- somebody <laughs> who I look up to so much. She's fucking fantastic. <laughs> so back to the story. <laughs> In 1993, Diego and Frida had to move back to Mexico mm-hmm. because Diego tried to include a picture of vladimir lenin in a mural at rockefeller center (laughs) (laughs) maybe that great yeah and it wasn't like get out it was like oh we strongly encourage you to leave you should you should pack up your things just just to be safe so they returned to mexico after this (laughs) a few years after this her paintings uh, began to raise the interest of a surrealist artist named André Breton. Mm. And he arranged for Kahlo's first solo exhibition in New York in 1938. So five years after she, they were moved back to uh-huh. Mexico, she was back in New York. The exhibition was a success and was followed by another one in Paris in 1939. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the French exhibition was less successful. However, the Louvre... Mm-hmm. purchased uh, one of Kahlo's paintings, which is called The Frame, and put it in display, uh, uh-huh. put it on display. And this made her the first Mexican artist to be featured in their collection. Hot damn. Yeah. <laughs> when in Paris, she befriended other artists, such as Marc Chagall, Chagall, Piet Madren. <laughs> I can't say French names. <laughs> We're not going to pretend like those. It's that was <laughs> fun to watch you say them, though. <laughs> Do you remember... Okay, so, oh, and also Pablo Picasso. Boo. Yeah, who we, who we discussed as a douchebag. Fart in a box. Do you remember the last time we were recording this? And I was just reading from the page, as you do, uh-huh. and read the Lerv. Yes! <laughs> instead of the Lerv. <laughs> because oh, when something's lerve. written, <laughs> something's written, I pronounce it as, as mm-hmm. it is written. Mm-hmm. And I do not know the French alphabet. <laughs> And I do not know when to drop things out. That's right. Oh, God, that was fucking funny. There was, <laughs> guys, just so everybody knows, there are some fucking gems in the episode that that turned out tinny and sounding weird. Yeah. But we're going to try and salvage them. Because <laughs> the lerve was, was a goddamn hoot. Yeah. I was embarrassed. And I was going to go past it just now because I did it. But then I was like, no. No. We gotta we gotta drum up those memories. Live in my humility. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> the year that her painting was purchased by the Louvre, mm-hmm. she also got a divorce. <laughs> okay. And at this time, when she got the divorce, she painted one of her most famous paintings, which is the Two Fridas. Mm-hmm. However, and this, so this is, the Louvre bought her painting. She found out Diego slept with her sister. They got a divorce. Mm-hmm. She painted the two Fridas. Super successful. Sure. One year later, in 1940, they got remarried. No! <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, 
clearly the fighting and the living in separate places and mm-hmm. all of those things were not enough reason to just yeah to just let a dead dog lie. <laughs> <laughs> they probably, I mean, they they claim to have truly like really loved each other. Yeah, and it was probably like the passion and the yeah. drama that there's, people are there's often. There's a certain romantic aspect of (laughs) i'm french (laughs) Uh, yeah you are (laughs) yeah but now sort of they're at the this platform of where they're both successful artists Mm -hmm. she is now an up-and-coming surrealist artist and throughout the 1940s she participated in more exhibitions in mexico and the u.s Mm -hmm. however as i said earlier the reason why i liked frida but don't like surrealist art. Frida never considered herself a surrealist artist. Quote, until Andre Breton came to Mexico and told me I was one, (laughs) she didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then she also wrote, really, I do not know whether my paintings are surrealist or not, but I do know that they are the frankest expressions of myself. Since my subjects have always been my sensations, my states of mind, and the profound reactions that life has been producing in me, I have frequently objectified all of this in figures of myself, which were the most sincere and real thing I could do in order to express what I felt inside and outside of myself. Gorgeous. Yes. So the the paintings really were like her. Yeah, Absolutely. She put, she was like, all of me is now in this painting. Yeah. And that's probably why she did so many self-portraits. Yeah. So, Kahlo received a commission from the Mexican government for five portraits of important Mexican women in 1941, but she was unable to finish it. Mm-hmm. She lost her beloved father that year, mm-hmm. who she was super close with, and con- continued to suffer from chronic health problems. So despite her personal challenges, her work continued to grow in popularity and was included in numerous group shows around this time. Um, In the late 40s, so sort of at the tail end of Uh this boom of Frida at the time, she continued to have surgeries on her back, which were injured in the bus accident, Mm -hmm. and she began to wear special corsets to protect her spine. Ooh. She experienced chronic pain and nothing was helping her. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of her. She has a portrait of her wearing a back brace. And instead of a spine, it's like a broken column. And like... Oh! Like a... It's like a... Like a Grecian column. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And that's sort of... I believe was painted at this time when she was going through the the Uh surgeries and stuff. In the 1950s, her condition worsened. She'd contracted gangrene mm. in her right foot, which was already mm-hmm. the weaker one. Yeah. And was bedridden for nine months. She continued to work and paint at this time and did all she could to remain mobile. Um, she, <laughs> so she was bedridden, but she had a show that she had to go to. Uh-huh. And so in 1953, she just arrived to the show in an ambulance. <laughs> and then... <laughs> They, like, set up a bed in the middle of the gallery with uh-huh. all her paintings around her. And then she just sort of laid there and, like, was greeting people from her bed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, like, such a, like, diva thing. It really is. It's like, oh, my my public awaits. Yeah. I have to go. It's, it's very much kind of like, remember from episode two two i believe ava perone uh-huh. when she was sick and then she put she yes. had to fasten the yep. 
the like frame and then she just got put fast and then covered herself in furs. Yeah. Just like, like mm. I'm fucking here. I'm fabulous. I'm mm-hmm. got to do what I got to do. Yeah. And it's very much the just like, oh, I have work to do. This whatever is happening Get not it. stopping me. <laughs> Which I love. Yes, absolutely. That's a real go-getter attitude. <laughs> And a few months after the show, uh, that she, when she was bedridden, she actually ended up having to get um, her right leg below the knee amputated mm. uh, to stop the gran- gangrene from mm-hmm. spreading. Uh, she became deeply depressed after this and was in and out of the hospital and often had thoughts of suicide. On July 2nd, she made her last public appearance uh, at a demonstration against U.S.-backed overthrow of President Jacobo uh, Ar- Arbenz of Guatemala. So, mm. like, I really respect her because from the, till the end, she was like, okay, I got a art show to go up to. I got to uh-huh. go to a, a demonstration. I got to go represent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a few days before her death, she wrote in her diary, quote, I hope the exit is joyful and I hope never to return. She was in pain for, like, since high school, yeah. since she got the bar mm-hmm. through her hip, mm-hmm. she was just in pain for the rest of her Chronic life. Chronic pain is something that I, I don't have experience with, but mm-hmm. I know several people in my life, directly in my life, deal with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, it's silent. Mm-hmm. It's not, you can't always see it, mm-hmm. but it is, it's just sucks everything out of you it sucks your energy it sucks your happiness Mm -hmm. it's just a real it's a real hard thing to live with yeah and it's i mean considering how vibrant Mm -hmm. of a life she had and her Mm -hmm. ability to travel and paint and follow Mm -hmm. her dreams is really really incredible considering mm-hmm. that she she lived her whole life mm-hmm. with and this she, chronic issue and she embraced it like yeah. that's what made that's it's, what made her her yeah it was like a part of her life mm-hmm. she was like this is this is what's happening this is i'm going to show you exactly yeah but yeah it she's great um <laughs> on July 13th, 1954, she passed away in her childhood home. Uh the official cause of death was a pulmonary embolism, although some suspected that she may have died uh from an overdose mm-hmm. that may not have been accidental. Mm-hmm. But since her death, her fame has only grown. Uh so she in like late 40s, 50s, yeah. she was at her peak in her lifetime. Yeah. And then in the 70s, her art was reused and sort of used as the, like, face of the feminist movement mm-hmm. of that time. And everybody was like, okay, her work is great again. So she experienced another peak after death in the 70s. Absolutely. In the 80s, a biography of her life was released that did really well uh, selling-wise. Oh, uh-huh. It was, Yeah. And then in the early 2000s, a movie about her starring Salma Hayek... That's right. ...was released, Mm -hmm. and it was nominated for six Academy Awards and won for Best Makeup and Original Score. So, very successful movie. Mm -hmm. And another reason that people, like, her name is still out there. Today, her childhood home and the place of her death, Mm -hmm. the the La Casa... La Casa Azul. 
la azul casa. Yeah, la azul casa. Girl. Because you put the... La, la casa azul. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we are not Spanish speakers. No. But that house is a museum detailing her life and is a holding place for her ashes that really? you can go and visit. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. So you can go and, like, see... You can see her her house and mm-hmm. her just, like, artifacts, artifacts from growing from her up. life. Mm-hmm. That's fucking cool. I think they might have some of her medical stuff there as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah, she's a fucking gem. She's so great. That sounded sarcastic, but I meant that. (laughs) (laughs) So great. So great. I love Frida Kahlo. I think she's fantastic. I love that you love Frida Kahlo so much. You can really tell (laughs) that she is, like, one of your idols. Yeah. And, like, I... She fucking should be. Just personally, I, like, I see... I like her as... A vague, like, reflection of myself Uh in terms of, like, biracial, political, has an interest in the arts, and Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. She's great. (laughs) Oh, Yay! What a good job. This was such a good episode. I really enjoyed it. So. Is that it? Yes. Please, if you enjoyed the episode, Mm -hmm. please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. Yeah. And if you didn't enjoy it, the, Bye. <laughs> the way the system works is five stars is bad. But, <laughs> no, because then just all kidding. of our good listeners are going to give us one. Well, okay. I was just, I was lying. We're okay, lying. I was lying. Everybody, just give you us can't, five stars. you're not allowed to give us anything below five. That's right. Or we'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> you can also follow us on our social medias mm-hmm. on Twitter. We are at Broads Got Moxie. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are at That Broads Got Moxie. Mm-hmm. We also have an email address if you'd sure like do. to reach out to us. It is at, it is That Broads Got Moxie <laughs> yep. at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Send us your suggestions or stories or corrections. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're not also Spanish speakers. <laughs> I thought I thought of this. At, Tell the, me the last episode, but send it if you go to any like pride parades or <gasps> yeah, send us some pics. Yeah, send us some pics. We like to see a celebration. Mm-hmm. We do. Danny and I are going next mm-hmm. weekend, and we'll share them online. We will share like. them if you would like us to. Yeah, yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. we're going next weekend. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can come, but also next weekend because it's Father's Day weekend. Yeah. Kiana's dad lives, you know, 10 minutes from her house, so they're going to be doing stuff stuff for Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is that everything? Yeah. We did it? Yeah. Again, happy Pride Month. Yes. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. Have have lots and lots of fun. Yeah. Stay moxie. Stay moxie. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.